Welcome to Crushing Kayfabe. This is Jason Garish, and uh, tonight's show we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the similarities that I've seen between TNA and AEW, and some of the dissimilarities, and uh, whether or not these can be a uh, game breaker, let's say, or a uh, or the downfall of AEW. But we'll talk about that in a minute. First, that kind of being so close to Thanksgiving, of course, WWE had the uh, Survivor Series, which uh, is the first time in a long time I didn't get to see, but my co-host, who unfortunately isn't here right now, uh, Matt Reeves, got to uh, got to watch that and gave me kind of a little bit of a rundown of what happened. So if we go down the car, it looks like it was Becky versus Charlotte. Um, according to Matt, this was a really good match, which, which makes sense. I mean, Becky and Charlotte both are... are uh, really great uh women's wrestlers so uh he gives it the match at night so uh that doesn't surprise me in the slightest um and becky gets a win over charlotte in that um i guess it was the raw versus smackdown match after that uh seth rollins wins it for for team raw and then we have the rocks 25th anniversary royal rumble or royal uh battle royale sorry um and uh, I guess almost was the winner of that. So interesting. I guess they're going to give him a big push. That should be kind of interesting. And then the next uh, match was a tag match. I don't see which teams are involved. I know um, RK Bro took the win, but I'm not sure. Uh, he didn't put down who that was against. Unfortunately, I don't have the card in front of me. But uh, but looks like uh, the uh, 5v5 uh, with uh, Team Raw versus SmackDown. Team Raw. Wins that one, and uh, then we had the uh, Big E versus Roman Reigns, which, uh, which as I know, Matt was uh, looking forward to. He's a fan of both of them, so uh, it looks like uh, Roman won that. But uh, he gave that that match about a strong B. So, uh, but apparently the uh, the whole show wasn't great, but there were a few good moments. He said, uh, so I don't know. Uh, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the show yet, so um, so we'll have to um, we'll have to kind of see if I can watch that and uh, see, give my own opinion on what happened. Unfortunately, like I said, it's the first time I missed uh, missed uh, Survivor Series in a very long time. So, uh, but hey, let's uh get into tonight's topic if we don't mind here. All right, at the debut of um. AEW, I did notice some striking similarities between them and TNA, which uh, some good, some not so good. Um, hopefully these won't be the downfall of AEW. Um, hopefully they can overcome some of these things, but uh, but I did notice some similarities, some dissimilarities. I'm kind of going to discuss all of those in tonight's show. I mean, the biggest pitfall that I noticed immediately was the hiring of a slew of XWWE uh, wrestlers. Um, you know, you came onto the scene with Cody Rhodes, uh, Chris Jericho, etc. I mean, obviously when you start a new promotion, you're going to need somebody with some name recognition. But the problem that I saw with TNA was there were Hiring pretty much any WWE wrestler that came out of WWE and uh, 
giving them a push pretty much right away, putting them over some of their homegrown stars, which uh, I see a huge issue with that. I'm really big problem with that because I think it diminishes your promotion. It makes WWE look that much better. Um, I mean, like I said, TNA did with the, this with uh, Kurt Angle, a bunch of other people, and then when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff came in, that's when things really started to uh, to slide for for TNA because they uh, they took over a lot of creative, and it, the product started to look like a WWE. Yeah, let's see how many W's we can throw in there. A WWE light product at that point. They had done away with the six side ring. They had done away with uh, well. They had diminished the X Division, which uh, was one of the things that had t- made TNA stand out and separate, and especially visually with the six-eyed ring and the and the um, the uh, X Division was something that you noticed when flipping through channels, and it stood out, and it set the product aside and made it look very much different than other products that were available at the time. So. So I'm hoping that AEW doesn't fall in that trap. You know, they've obviously made a lot of um, a lot of waves by hiring CM Punk, uh, Brian Danielson, um, a bunch of others that have shown up on the show. But uh, but so far they've been doing a good job of using them to put over some younger, homegrown. Um, wrestlers, and I hope they continue to, because if they don't, and they just put over the, you know, CM Punk and Brian Danielson, whatever, over on their own talent, that's going to, that's going to make the product look weak, and uh, I don't want to see them doing that, so I'm hoping that they continue the trend to use them to enhance a lot of their own talent, rather than just kind of uh, skyrocketing right up to the top, which, uh, which TNA a lot of times kind of did, and it it really made some of the guys that were homegrown like AJ Styles and and Bobby Roode and the list goes on uh, kind of look weaker, and um, and I'm hoping that AEW does not go down that path because that's a that's a recipe for failure right there. I mean another kind of startling similarity that we miss or that i saw was uh the fact that they're both funded by billionaire slash billionaire corporations that had no previous wrestling experience um now the exception at rule is kind of tna because tna did start with jeff and jerry jarrett but when they really started to take off was with dixie carter and uh her parent corporation was it Panda Energy, I believe, and uh, that that's the era of TNA that I'm going to focus on now because I kind of consider that the, for lack of a better term, kind of the uh, heyday of TNA um, because before you know, obviously before they became um, before they came became Impact Wrestling. And that was the period between, I believe, 2003 and 2016, uh, which um, in which uh, Dixie was in charge of the company. I mean, there are 
some similarities between Dixie and Tony Khan. If you, I mean, obviously they're both billion, they're both uh, quite rich. I don't think Dixie was a billionaire, but uh, but she had a lot of money behind her. Um, when she was asked by Jeff Jarrett to uh, to take a stake in the company and uh, and help him out because a financial backer of his had uh, had dropped out of the project and uh, he needed money desperately. So that's kind of where Dixie came in. But uh, but um, but yeah, that's I'm hoping that that's where the similarities end. I mean, both of them have. Tony Khan appears to be a true fan of lifelong fan of wrestling so which Dixie was not when she came into the um into the uh business so I'm hoping that that sets the two apart but but the two of them have displayed kind of markish behavior um which has uh been the detriment to both of them I think so uh so um hopefully that's as far as that goes I'm hoping that um we don't see any more similarities there. I mean, um, I mean, they both had prime time cable spots. That's obviously uh, a similarity there. Um, they both pretty much during the, once again, I'm, I'm comparing the quote unquote heyday of TNA to current day AEW, but they both seem to lack a singular succinct booking by a create by creative um they rely heavily on their talent to book and that could be an issue i know that uh aew gives doesn't give total creative control to any of their talent which i'm very grateful for they at least they have somebody to funnel their ideas through but right now that person appears to be tony khan um and not a lot of other people um which, uh, from what I understand with, with uh, TNA, you know, Dixie had the final say, and there was some, nobody really knew who to report to in that organization, so they don't really know who, who really didn't know who was in charge. And um, the other point that I'd like to make is um, something I've noticed between the two was allowing real-life clicks to kind of occur within the locker room and uh, specifically within AEW you look at an or a group which on the air is um, is the elite but in reality they're they're kind of a click behind the scenes also so that could really hinder the progress of a lot of the younger talent a lot of the people trying to get up I just hope it doesn't turn to a situation similar to uh, what happened back in WCW and back in TNA, where uh, some of the older talent refuses to drop a title to so-and-so or lose to um, to some of the younger talent, because that could definitely be an issue, especially when, I mean, um, going into a situation like that for a young wrestlers is intimidating enough, but then when you have a bunch of individuals that are kind of ganged up together, that can be even more intimidating and set you back, set your development back, I should say, a lot, I would think. So, so that was another similar, similarity that I'm kind of noticing between the two, and I, I, that I hope the trend kind of um, ends soon. But uh, another thing I noticed was that there was a, 
a singular star having too much influence on creative, it seems like. With with AEW, it seems like Cody Rhodes. With TNA at one point in time, it was Jeff Jarrett. So, I mean, right now Cody is, is facing the backlash of that. He's appearing very John Cena-ish in a lot of ways. I know that some people don't disagree heavily with that, but I, I can definitely see it when he comes out there as a baby face and gets booed. Um, he kind of gets that Super Cena vibe when he goes out there, and I think that's going to do a lot of harm to uh, to the product in general if, if they don't either turn him heel or do something to uh, to change that. I mean, I, I think Tony Khan... Uh, He's commented it on in the past, and uh, he doesn't believe it's an issue because he kind of approaches it the way that uh, WWE viewed Cena, and that's kind of disheartening uh, because I mean, a lot of people put up with a lot of years of Cena kind of being John Super Cena, and uh, and it turns turns some serious fans off. I don't know if that's going to happen with with uh, Cody Rhodes, but it seems to be seems to be hindering his his progress. It's kind of weird watching a baby face get booed out of the building. Um, but now the another thing I'm noticing is owners being overly friendly to talent. I mean, you look at Tony Khan and you look at Dixie, and they were both buddy buddy with the talent. And um, at the end of the day, they're the bosses. So that kind of, I mean, I know like Vince has his favorites and he tries to be more of like a grandfatherly type figure. Whereas I think Tony and Dixie kind of look at each other on almost equal footing as some of these people. And I'm not saying, you know, everyone's equal, obviously, but. But um, these people have a lot more experience in business than they do, and and I don't want to see that um, change anybody's judgment or um, or kind of uh, make some decisions based on that. I mean, it, and obviously it's human nature to want to see your friends do well, want to see your friends get put over. So if he's too friendly to the talent, yeah, he's going to have his favorites and he's going to have people that he wants to see do well. And that could be an issue. Um, you know, cause that kind of impairs your judgment and, and doesn't allow you to objectively look at the talent and objectively judge a talent and, uh, and assess where they are in their development. Um, so that could be a real big problem if Tony Khan doesn't, I don't want I don't want to say distance himself but uh, but um but yeah it it could be an issue down the road if 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 he goes one way or the other and um another thing I've noticed which uh they the, they both Dixie Carter and Tony Khan have become on-screen characters of themselves and uh um Man, I mean, Dixie at first was extremely awkward, and Tony Khan has been extremely awkward. So I can kind of see some similarities in their performances. I don't know if it's out of a need to be there. Personally, I think they should maybe get... I mean, obviously, the Dixie Carter situation is done and gone. She did her damage, and uh, 
she's no longer um i don't even know if she owns any more stake in the company but uh but with tony khan i mean i would my biggest recommendation would be to take a retired wrestler and make him a gm that way that eliminates you from having to go on the air um you know take like a mick foley or a someone that's retired even a kurt angle at this point and make them a gm make them a viable gm they're people that have been on television that are charismatic that have been those roles before and they can do very well in those roles whereas that's not a situation that tony khan has ever had to be in and the the inexperience shows every time he's out there it looks awkward i mean it was good during certain events such as the brody brody lee tribute show it was it was necessary and it was um very heartfelt and and it just adds the emotion of the event but i don't want to see him become a regular character on on television but they do need some kind of gm in there to um to go out there and and uh, lay the law down because because um right now it's at the point where the announcers will get oh we've got a message from Tony Khan or we've done this or, and it looks disingenuous it looks kind of fake I, and I know yeah wrestling is fake whatever but it it doesn't help to dispense you know, it doesn't help to suspend disbelief or kayfabe at all in any way when uh, when that happens. It's it's happening way too quickly and um and it's just it's awkward and weird. Um and like I said, it was kind of the way, you know, having Dixie Carver become a character was kind of awkward and weird too. So that's where I see some similarities and I'm hoping that like I said, my recommendation would be to pick up one of these retired wrestlers and make them a fake figurehead on the show and uh and i think that would alleviate a lot off of tony khan's shoulders and i think that would uh you wouldn't have a situation that turns out badly like it did with dixie Carty, carter wow and tna um that's just my own opinion um neither one of them is a publicly was was owned i should say by a publicly traded company now this can be a a good thing it can be a bad thing um obviously wwe is a publicly traded corporation meaning that they have shareholders that they have to answer to in some ways this dilutes the product in some ways it helps keep the product somewhat consistent and keeps them on their game um i mean obviously the main one of the main driving forces behind WWE television becoming uh PG television was the fact that it was publicly traded so they had to answer to shareholders in meetings they couldn't have anything that was too risque or um or offensive because they would lose advertisers they would lose their stock price would fall so it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. Um, I think with TNA it was probably a bad thing because it allowed things to get out of 
hand and out of control creatively and uh, just go down a downward spiral. I mean, one of the things that AEW has that it kind of sets itself apart from WWE is the fact that it can do some things that WWE cannot. It's, I believe, a TV-14 show, which means it can go, they can swear on there, they can... They can bleed on there. They can blade, which you know WWE has their no blading policy, so they can make things a little bit more adult oriented on the on the on AEW. Um, in this particular case, that's a good thing as long as it doesn't get out of hand, because you, I think you always have to have some kind of boundaries and something to to kind of. Um, ground you and not allow you to get too um out of control with some of your booking so i mean uh, like i said it's a, it's a hindrance and and a good thing all at once which is weird and and uh in order for aew to exceed i think they need to accentuate that but but still thankfully they still have to report to a major um television network so hopefully that helps them in that sense, helps them rein in a little bit, because I don't want to see Nick Gage doing death matches on the show every week, obviously. And that could that could definitely hurt them, because that's not something I want to watch in front of my kids. So, it, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. I mean, like like I said, that what makes the product of uh, that WWE is playing out right now unappealing to me is the fact that it's kind of milk toast, watered down, bland, PG kind of, which I don't want to see things offensive, I don't want to see, but at the same time, I want to see things creative, which AEW is doing a little bit better right now than WWE is, but but like I mentioned, that neither one of them was or is a publicly traded company. Um... And uh, my next point was kind of, I'll backtrack a little, but neither one has a commissioner, like I'd mentioned before. And that kind of gets into um, what I was talking about with uh, with the similarities between Dixie Carty, Carter. Wow, I cannot speak to that. I apologize. Dixie Carter and, uh, and Tony Khan. Um... One thing that I do see in both of them that is a common thread is that they both don't seem to have a clearly defined hierarchy, uh, which I know in TNA that was a gigantic problem. No one knew who to report to. Now, maybe AEW is a little more clearly defined, but the fact that they're not a publicly traded company, I can't really go online and accurately look up any of these things. I don't really know exactly who who is reporting to whom and uh, and who's in charge of what. The only thing that I know is what I hear through podcasts, hear through media scrums, hear through through um, uh, public announcements from AEW and. Uh, so I really don't know what the established hierarchy is. It doesn't seem to be that one. It just seems like everything's following through Tony Khan. And that's not a good thing. You need some some talent relations in the way, which his son JR does great. 
You know, so now that he's going to be stepping more out of the announcing role, maybe that's his position. Put him in into more of a talent relations uh, type of uh, of role because that's why he's he's done it in the past. He's done it great in the past, so why not put him there? And uh, and like I said, have more of an established hierarchy. I know in TNA that was a gigantic issue because people literally did not know who to talk to when they had an issue. To not know who to go to with problems. So, what now that you know Tony Khan's going to become much much busier, he's not going to be able to individually address every situation. He's going to need people underneath him that can respond to those situations. So, so that's definitely something that needs to develop and more be more clearly defined in the future. Um, hmm. Now, here's another interesting point. I'm just kind of trying to read my own handwriting. Um, Both of them existed through pay-per-views prior to television, which is another kind of odd similarity between the two. You know, and the only reason I bring these things up is because history does repeat itself, and I don't want to see that happen with AEW. I want to see the promotion go on for years and years. But they have that possibility and there is that danger of them going down the same road and uh, i don't want to see that so that's another uh kind of startling uh similarity um i mean they've been another similarity they had is they they share their wrestlers with other promotions much like um tna and that was one of the things that kind of bothered me about tna was i could see a particular wrestler on TNA, and then I could go to a Northeast wrestling event or another event and see that same wrestler. And that is something you don't see with WWE. They have exclusive contracts. Um, I know that's something that Tony Khan touts as being a good thing, and he's been promoting that. I, I don't know that it is. I mean, from what I saw with TNA it tended to dilute the product a lot because these guys were not loyal to TNA. They were they were just going wherever the paycheck was and they were just kind of showing up. Sometimes there were no-show events because of that, because they got offered more money at another event. So, so that's where you run the danger with that. Um, I mean, I don't see that currently with AEW, but if they don't sign some more exclusive... Uh, deals you might see that down the road i mean i see lance archer i see um i mean i know thunder rosa is going to be coming to uh to memphis soon and and um you know it's like well why do i have to go to an AEW event if i can watch these wrestlers at my local independent promotions and that's kind of a kind of a weird thing like i said i know connie Tony khan um likes that idea but i watched it kind of bite tna in the butt in the past so i'm hoping that doesn't become an issue down the road but i do like their relationships with impact with um triple a with new japan that does kind of make things interesting but when the thing i like about that though is the crossover because now you have 
this star coming over from Impact and, and showing up on TV, or this star coming over from New Japan, but it's not an all-the-time occurrence. It's a big deal when it happens, so I do like that. So hopefully they'll continue to keep those boundaries strong and continue to um kind of think things the way they keep things the way they are, I should say. Another similarity is I noticed there's a very rabid Mark fan base that, that uh, tends to kind of ignore the truth a lot of times. And uh, and um, I know with DNA and AEW, like I said, the fans can... Uh, DNA back in the heyday, they were, and now with AEW, you've got your very rabid fans, which um, your hardcore AEW fans, which... Um, some of these guys need a serious dose of reality, um, and they can't continue to ignore some of the facts that are right in front of their face, um, which tends to happen. Like I say, you have these AEW zealots that will downplay any type of criticism of the company, and and if the company is to thrive and grow, they need some criticism. They need to fix their wrongs. They need to work on mistakes and work on things. They can't have these zealot fans that are just going out there. Because they didn't last with TNA, and they won't last with with AEW. You also need the casual fans. You also need the, the middle-of-the-road fans. You can't just have the zealot fan base that's that's giving you a, a small percentage of money. You know, and You need everything to help you through. Now, it's not all bad, though. I've seen some dissimilarities between the two companies, which uh, which I'm happy to say. Like, for one, I know Tony Khan was a wrestling fan before ever owning the company, which is uh, I, very evident. Um, Dixie Carter didn't really know much about wrestling beforehand. She had never been involved in the business. At least Tony Khan has been a diehard wrestling fan for a very, very long time. So I'm hoping that that, I'm hoping that that helps draw some lines, but it could be a hindrance too. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely, um, definitely hoping that that helps them. Uh, Khan started the company he created the company obviously dixie did not so there's some dissimilarities there's some differences between the two there i mean uh tna was was created by jeff and jerry jared and um so and dixie did not have a hand until later on when uh when they needed money when a backer had pulled out of the deal and uh dixie came on but so uh so that i think is one thing that Tony Khan does have a little bit of a um, leg up on. At least he created the company and uh, has a much more of a vested interest, I think, than Dixie Carter had in TNA. Um, and he's a fan. So, um, there are multiple shows for AEW, which is cool. There's there's Rampage, there's Dynamite, and there are the YouTube shows. So, so they do have more time on television to develop storylines which i'm hoping that they will do soon because they've been bad at developing storylines i mean great wrestling with minimal storylines kind of thing which is tna did at 1.2 and didn't work um but um 
but yeah, I'm hoping that with, they'll use those times wisely uh, to to develop and convey storylines and to to proceed with the storylines. Um, use their multiple platforms to do so. Um, AEW has a much bigger network affiliation, obviously, than T than uh, TNA did. They were originally with Spike, which does not have anywhere near the viewership of TNT or TBS. So that's one leg up that they have. I mean, just this TBS deal alone is going to put them, I believe, into one million more households than what they currently have with TNT. Um, so, so that's going to help them down the road. Um, that's one difference that I do see that hopefully will help AEW along the line. Um, not to mention AEW has affiliations through the Khan family with other sports teams. So there's more opportunities to cross promote through those sports teams. You know, they can run billboards in, in, you know, at Jaguars games. They can do, they can do things that, uh, TNT, I mean, I should say TNA could not because they have more of those avenues uh, available to them. Um, Another thing I noted that uh, is a pretty good difference, too, is AEW has uh, wrestlers with very successful podcasts. Um, I mean, this is something that could be a great cross-promotional tool. They've got Chris Jericho. They've got uh, Colt Cabana, who had established wrestling podcasts um, that have a very wide uh, audience base, so... So that was that's something that I see a difference that could help them. Obviously, podcasts weren't as uh, widespread as they are now, but uh, but that's something that could help them down the road too. Um, TNA had a streaming service. That's a difference that I see that kind of hinders AEW. I mean, a, really, TNA had a, a streaming service that was ahead of its time. I mean, I was subs a subscriber at one point, and then. Uh, I don't know why they discontinued that. I thought that was insane because it was a good deal and they had a bunch of library on there. And uh, that's kind of why I was hoping that Tony Khan would gobble up one of these in these promotions such as ROH or NWA or, or so forth uh, to get kind of a library that they could put on video, convert onto video and stream. So they could offer their own streaming service at a discounted rate. So I... I that's something that um that I do see TNA did kind of have a leg up on a lot of promotions. I just think at the time nobody was ready for it and it was a little too much too early kind of thing because it obviously did not succeed, which is unfortunate. I, I really like the service and um wish it had gone further. But um one thing I noticed which is different with uh AEW that I really love is the Use of licensed music. Um, when Moxley comes out to Wild Thing, or Jungle Boy comes out to his theme music, or CM Punk comes out to Cult of Personality, that is that is great. I mean, that's something that WWE unfortunately doesn't do, and uh, something that TNA didn't do. They did um, almost exclusively in-house music for their wrestlers, and uh, I I'm very glad that AEW does that. I think it's great that they do it. Um, so, yeah. 
those are some of the the similarities and uh, differences between the two companies. I hope that by pointing out the similarities, I don't don't uh, cast a pessimistic shadow on them. I I I mention these things surely because I don't want them to go down the same road that TNA did that morphed into Impact. Um, because I do enjoy the show, and uh, right now it's one, it's one of the few wrestling products I'm actually walk, watching. So, uh, so I'm hoping that they don't go down that road with uh, that TNA did, and that's why I'm pointing these things out. So, so that's that's it, you know, as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, let's uh, kind of close the show out on those thoughts because because um, that was really uh, all I had for today. Uh, I'd like to send a shout out to uh, Lucky Lady Candles. Um, you know, go find them on uh, Pinterest and uh, and um, I mean not Pinterest. Wow, uh, go find them on Facebook and um, and uh, Etsy. I should say not Pinterest. Wow, um, and uh, get some great candles from them. Um, I'd like to send a shout out to Then and Now Flea Market downtown Trenton, Tennessee. Uh, you can go down there and you can get one of my CDs, or you can get a bunch of products that my wife uh, handmade, which are really cool looking uh, stuff. And there's a bunch of really cool vendors that have their booths set up at then now. So go down there and check them out and uh, and buy some stuff and tell you tell them that Jason sent you, and tell them that Crushing Kayfabe sent you. All right, and uh, once again, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. You know, have a safe. Uh, safe trip if anybody's going out to visit relatives or whatnot but uh but yeah happy thanksgiving and uh god bless everybody and uh talk to you next week thank you